Virtuous Man, a podcast devoted to sharing the lives of men of history, fiction. Welcome to Loosen Unscripted, where we take a look at the making of our Seven Deadly Sins series. I'm Jamie. I'm Scott. And we are the creators of Virtuous Men. Thank you for joining us for Loose and Unscripted. We are going to be going over our Seven Deadly Sins series and the making of it and behind the scenes and what inspired us to do the series in the first place. And uh, it should be a very enlightening and hopefully not sinful conversation. That's right. <laughs> and we do want to mention we're we're actually over Zoom for this one because Scott is traveling and we are apart for our first Loose and Unscripted. Very sad, but uh, also thankful for Zoom. Yeah, now I know how Rose felt whenever Jack died. Am I Jack, or and are you Rose? Is that uh, time will tell? All right, we'll see you at the well, end of the episode. Well, you're you're married, so you you got the girl, so I guess that kind of works in your favor. There we go. All right, so we're gonna go through episode by episode of our Seven Deadly Sins series. First of all, we'd like to kind of chat about why we did the series to begin with. It, it may have been a surprise to some listeners that we were doing an, an entire season on sin, considering we're named Virtuous Man. But uh, Scott, you, you want to give your take on it and I'll give my take? Well, when you were the one who approached me with the idea, so because you had just read a book and, and what was the name of that book? That's right. Again? Dangerous Virtues by John Kessler. I kind of, yeah. I, I found out about this book through uh, another podcast I listened to. And he talks about how sin has kind of become virtue in modern society. And uh, it kind of went through each deadly sin and talked about how we've come to glorify that sin and almost consider it a virtue. So interesting book. And we were we had actually just kind of started our I believe our we were done with our first season for sure. We were maybe working on season two. And I had read the book and said, hey, that wouldn't it be kind of cool if we at some point did something maybe just over Instagram. I don't know if we do a podcast episode, but kind of go through the seven deadly sins. And, and what do you think about that? And we kind of, I, I thought it was interesting. I think you, you did as well, but we kind of tabled it for a while. And then uh, you Brie brought it up, I think, and said, Hey, what if we did kind of a mini pod season right around Halloween? And yeah, we kind of went from there. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, that's right. It Yeah. So this idea has been brewing for quite some time, but, you know, we, us being us, we naturally have a thousand ideas on things to do. And then we <laughs> are trying to decide which things should take precedent. And this yeah. one just kind of always got put on the back burner. And then as it got closer to Halloween for 2022, I thought, let's let's time it so that we can kind of do it during Halloween or to, to coincide with Halloween. It, it just felt like the right time to do it. You know, just I don't know. I don't know if that's just me being the horror movie lover that I am, but it just, it just felt right. You know? Yeah. We definitely have a lot of ideas we want to do for this project, but uh, little time <laughs> we managed to fit this one in. I'm glad we did. I do remember though, cause we initially wanted to do it as a bunch of posts. Like you wanted to change the graphic and make it look all different, but then that got put on the back burner. And then we started doing the mini pods, the shorter episodes and then that's when i think i probably came to you and said let's make this a season like a series yeah which yeah great idea um i think it turned out well i think our our oh, listeners yeah. have enjoyed it for sure it's been fun to see the instagram the instagram uh posts and the poll that we did of you know the favorite episode 
of the of the season. Um, we got a yeah, lot even of though your episode, even though one of your episodes won the poll, I'm still yeah. Well, so we'll yeah we'll talk about that after we talk about each episode, which one was was the winner. But um, let's get into it, shall we? Let's get into it. The preacher looked out over his jungle compound. A grin slowly appeared beneath the sunglasses he rarely removed. It was, after all, his vision that had created this second Eden. He had saved his flock from the dangers of their home country. At least, that was what he told them. That was what he liked best. They believed what he told them. He had convinced them all that things would be perfect the moment they arrived. Even though things had not happened the way the preacher wanted, he would not let fear stop his ultimate plan. He would make his point loud and clear to all who witnessed it. As this plan flashed through his mind again, the grin became a smile. Please, for God's sake, let's get on with it. We've lived, we've lived as no other people have lived and loved. We've had as much of this world as you're going to get. Let's just be done with it. Let's be done with the agony of it. So, episode one was the pride of Jim Jones. This was honestly, absolutely the most difficult episode to listen to for me, by far, of anything we've made. And I already knew it was going to be going into it, but you did a very good job of really laying a picture of how evil the man was and what he did. So, yeah, kind of talk about why you chose him for specifically for pride and uh, what it was, was like. Yeah, I was like going to say, if you, if you thought it was hard to listen to, imagine putting it together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that definitely takes the cake for me in terms of, you know, the hardest, hardest episode to do easily, you know. But, um, and it, it's all the more difficult doing something like that because he did a lot of good things in the beginning of his work. You know, I mean, he was always kind of a troubled guy, but I mean, he did a lot of good things. And you often lose that when you get into, you know, all of the stuff about Jonestown, like it's easy to forget that he did a lot of good things and you just can't help but wonder looking at a guy like that with his kind of talents and abilities. And you think what, what more could he have done to help the world had he not gone the path that he went on? And it seemed ideal to me to do a cult leader for the virtue of pride, because that's the one thing that cult leaders, if you study them, they all have that trait in common is that they are narcissistic to the very core of their being. They just believe that they are right, that you should follow them. You should listen to them. And they're often very good at persuading people. Like, I mean, he was, you know, he was very good at that, you know, as evidence showed by how the people's temple grew. And I think we'll never know this, but I don't really get the impression that he was just evil from the beginning. I think it was a gradual coming to that, you know, because because of the good that he did in the beginning, I I think I don't think it was his goal in the in the beginning of his work to just control people and make it all about him. But gradually it did turn into that. You know, he always kind of had that narcissistic tendency running through him. But when you saw how when he saw how successful he was, it just it was a recipe for disaster. Yeah, he was he was really charismatic, which obviously that's a requirement for being a cult leader, but. Um, I, I didn't know too much about this before I listened to the episode, to be honest. I obviously knew what happened. Um, I didn't know how many people died. That was staggering. But, uh, 
I actually went on and listened to some of his sermons and not not the whole thing, but <laughs> just things that are on YouTube and 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 they also have that I guess the last recording of of when they all you know committed suicide and wow talk about something hard to listen to especially when I mean kids are involved and yeah I, uh, I there's no way I, I there's no way that I could listen to the whole thing you know no, and uh, no. it's also really interesting too because if you listen to snippets of that it, it's known as the death tape that's yeah. kind of just the name that it's developed over the years if you listen to that and you listen to him when he was at the height of his power with people's temple, he sounds like a different guy, you know? Yeah. And at, at that time during the, of the Jonestown massacre, his health had taken a huge decline. And a lot of it was just his drug use and refusing to take care of himself. And you can just, you can so clearly see like physically and in his voice, how much the guy had just degenerated into this, this horrible human being. Yeah, that's a hard one to listen to, but very well done um, portraying the story. And I, I like the the theatrical bit you did with the whole when the congressman came to see what was going on and they they killed him. Yeah, well, and I could be wrong on this. So if anybody's listening to it, they can post a comment on it. But I think that to this day, he is the only congressman that has been killed hmm while serving in, in Congress. I, I don't think wow. that's ever happened since then. Yeah. His name was Leo Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that, I mean, as horrible as that was, it was nothing compared to what came after. I mean, one, one thing that has always stood out to me about that story is this interview that was done by, uh, uh, his name was Michael Stone. He was the host of this series called most evil, where he tries to kind of get into the minds of serial killers and people that just committed horrible atrocities and he interviewed one of the People's Temple members named Tim Carter. He was kind of higher up. He was talking about in this interview how um, right as people were starting to be led to the pavilion, he described it so vividly. He said it literally felt like evil itself flew into Jonestown. I mean, yeah, it's, you, you, you have it's that one in that episode, right? Terrifying to think about that. Yeah. But and it's a, it's amazing, too, you know, like that um, it was the worst loss of life of a civilian of American civilian life in a deliberate act prior to nine 11. I mean, it's just, a, it just, man, it just, you, you can't help but just be in awe of how something so horrible could happen. You know, it's just, it's one of those stories where, you know, in doing this, this series, you're constantly asking yourself, how could this have happened? You know? Yeah. I mean, I guess pride, pride is something of all these sins. I think it's one of the easiest to, neglect and oversee in your own life right and everyone what's the famous quote of it's so easy to see pride in another but so hard to see it in yourself yeah and i i mean i think in in the case of a cult leader it's pretty darn obvious but for average joes like you and me it can be very subtle you can slip into it and be completely unaware of it but you know, I'd like to think that most of us are not raging narcissists, but, you know, we're all we're all selfish. We all have selfishness. But when that self-preservation turns into pride, that's a whole nother story right there. It's May 1821 on the small island of St. Helena in the South Atlantic. Waves crash against the shore as the island's most famous inhabitant passes the time skipping stones on the beach. As he gazes out on the horizon, he's reminded that it's over a thousand miles from the nearest major landmass and a ten-week boat trip from his homeland. 
As he ponders the life he's lived, a growing anger grips him. He had it all. He practically had the rule over continental Europe. But he could have had more. More land, more subjects, a larger army, more riches, more priceless artwork. More, more, more. Suddenly a strong pain racks his stomach and he winces. They've increased in frequency of late. He then walks back up to his island mansion for the final time. In just a few days, he'll be dead. But no matter. Death is preferable to this life of dignified ignominy. Death is nothing, but to live defeated and inglorious is to die daily. Napoleon Bonaparte So episode two was about the greed of Napoleon Bonaparte, which is a fast, I feel like that's a fascinating one because when you think of Napoleon, you don't really think of who he was as a person and, you know, greed, it doesn't really come to mind right away unless you're like a history buff who knows his story. But I think the average, average citizen isn't really aware of the fact that he had that fatal flaw. But then you listen to the episode and you go, wow, that describes him to a T. Yeah, Napoleon obviously fascinating person one of the most influential people in history no doubt um and i've i've kind of dabbled in in researching him in the past um but i'm really glad we did this this series because obviously we probably weren't going to do him for a virtue (laughs) but um the fact that we did the seven deadly sin series you know give me a chance to i really love those historical especially like military leaders political leaders um, who influenced so much. And he was certainly one of those. And his story is so interesting just because where he came from, I mean, he was, it wasn't even really French. He was born on a, on an Island off of Italy that, you know, was controlled by the French. And then he, he made his way out of France, but where he came from and where he ended up was pretty crazy. How, how he rose to power. And he was, he had a lot of good things about him. He had a lot of virtues. His he was an incredible, an incredible leader in, on the battlefield. He um, really cared for his men. He had a lot of flaws too, um, and obviously greed was one of them. And that was really his downfall. You know, he had he had so much going for him. His his army had won so many battles, and he just wanted more and more and more. To the point where he overstretched himself so much, you know, and, and going into Russia, which I mean, it's 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 so famous now the the Russian winter and and how it just destroys empires, and and that's what happened. I mean, that's it, there's so many parallels there between Napoleon and Hitler, and and just the folly of trying to conquer the Russians in winter. You know, they they were both really defeated by those two really foolish decisions so um, yeah that was the part of the episode where i th- I think reading your reading the transcript i was just staggered by that i i didn't know this this the statistics were that bad i mean yeah jaw dropping how many men that men he lost yeah and and that was that was something i think his his virtue i think of caring for his man fell away during that because he, he he kind of abandoned his men once they left Moscow. Someone was trying to to overthrow him back in Paris, so he had to hightail it back. But 
um he kind of he kind of left his men and he he took off on you know a protected convoy back to back across eastern europe to to paris and and his men were left behind and just hundreds of thousands of them died on the way back yeah well it also speaks to and i and you highlight this really well in the episode about how overconfident he was that he believed or w- at what point correct me on this where he said i'll be back in two months i don't even need to yeah. worry about it you know yeah he told his wife i'll be back in two months and and that was really the mindset of oh this is nothing i i can defeat the russians with you know with my hand tied behind my back kind of thing and and it really did lead to the downfall and after that obviously they were defeated in another battle i believe it was the battle of leipzig in germany but and then the the a coalition of allies invaded France and then he was he was booted out. Well, and it's also too, this is one thing that I found to be most interesting in doing this series is how the seven deadly sins often relate to one another and how often this person who exemplified this particular sin, he also had these other sins going along with it. So like Napoleon, he also had pride. He also had envy along with his greed so yeah, the way yeah. the sins kind of bleed into each other, I found that to be really fascinating listening to the episodes and doing them. And in, in Napoleon's case, like it's, it's a perfect example, you know, the like greed obviously was his driving force, you could say, but then you also have the pride and the envy and this yeah. and the lust for more, you know? Yeah. I, I actually kind of struggled when I was writing uh, the envy episode uh, because I drew, I was drawing so many parallels in the conclusion to greed and I had to kind of reword some things because I didn't want obviously didn't want it to to say the same thing. But you really could link envy and greed so closely together, and they really do combine in a lot of ways uh, when when they get played out in someone's life. It's interesting how his his uh, legacy it's kind of went back and forth between he was a just a tyrant and a dictator to he was this great military leader and and french patriot it's kind of ebbed and flowed throughout history and it's kind of i think a lot of people do that a lot of famous people from the past depending on what's going on in that era the the people that's a really good point yeah you know the the people who the the country they're from they choose to highlight good things or bad things based on on what's i guess expedient at that time but um it kind of goes to show you that every man has has good things and, and also flaws. Um, and yeah, that's kind of what we tried to to highlight in this series. It was great. I think my favorite sound effects moment, I think in the episode was, uh, I don't remember where in the episode it was. I think it was right as he was rising to power and then, and the Napoleonic Wars had started, but there were some sound effects of faraway ships exchanging oh, yeah. fire in the distance. I mean, great sound effects. It was, per- it was just perfect. It totally put you right there. Yeah, that was a good find. Uh, I can't remember where I got that, but that was a good find. That was just perfect. That was the, the Battle of the Nile. And then I think my favorite part of the episode was actually when Napoleon's crowned emperor. And there's that, you know, that kind of mm. m- like the, the monastic music. And and the church bell. The obviously. church bell. And, and he grabs the, grabs the crown and puts it on his own hand. But uh, there's there's pride right there <laughs> oh for sure i i'm still bummed though because every once in a while we, we listen to these episodes and um i imagine we both have this reaction of why didn't he do that sound or why didn't he do that? <laughs> yeah and one thing that drove me nuts about that episode i'm just going to confess this to the whole world is that <laughs> you didn't put in a crowd gasping 
whenever he put the crown on because that i mean that's a pretty darn extreme thing for someone to do to crown themselves and i just thought you got to put some gasping audience members and you didn't and i was just so we review we review the audio before we we post it and we kind of give recommendations and yeah that was definitely one of yours i did try i tried to find the perfect one but everything i found was just kind of too cartoonish so that's that's why i didn't add it scott well definitely well cartoonish you know would have you know put a little bit of humor in the episode too (laughs) I could have just gone <gasps> loop that ten different times, <laughs> which would have just been ridiculous. The family patriarch silently paced the floor of his backwater home in disbelief. He was furious that the judge had ruled in favor of the opposing family. This had been far from the first incident between the two families. To the Patriarch, it was simply one more notch in the catalog of offenses. But for some reason, this one felt different. This one felt like betrayal. As he paced, a realization began to dawn on him. From this day onward, he would have to accept that things between his family and theirs would only get worse. Perhaps blood would be drawn. He scoffed. It wasn't the first time such a thing had happened, and he was now convinced it would not be the last. So episode three was The Wrath of the Hatfields and McCoys. I anticipated this one coming out. I was interested to to get your your uh, story of this one because it's kind of a fascinating, it's fascinating what happened. Um, tragic yet uh, fascinating. Um, so why, why did you pick, it's, it's kind of obvious, but uh, why did you decide to pick them for Wrath? Well, I think it's a fascinating story for one thing, and it, it has this almost mythological quality in American history. I mean, it's the most famous feud in American history. And yet um, I think there's other feuds that were arguably a lot worse. If you look more into the history of blood feuds in America, like you could say that there are plenty that were a lot more devastating. But this one in particular has just really stood out in in the American imagination, you know, and it's it's kind of hard to see why, but then you start looking more into it and you and you can see how it has all of these juicy elements to it that make for like great storytelling, you know? Yeah. And I think researching it was actually pretty difficult because for one thing, both of the families were gigantic. I mean, they all had children into the teens. I mean, like Randall McCoy had 17 children, you know? So <laughs> wow. And um and and just given the area of America that they lived in, everyone knew each other and they often had names that were similar sounding or, you know, so it, so keeping them apart was really difficult. It's just a very and I, I feel like as you look into the story more, you can see that, you know, wrath clearly defines it in every sense of the word, you know, because both of these families, whatever existed between them that led to all this animosity, it was wrath through and through, you know where these people were just itching for a fight, they would take any, any excuse to just kill one of the other two, you know, and, and, you know, and often alcohol was involved, you know, cause you know, the production of illegal moonshine obviously was huge in that area. So there was that to contend with, but, you know, and just looking at these families, you just can't help but wonder why did they hate each other so much? Yeah. You know? I mean, they, they, was, they, did, it, they, they had so yeah. much in common. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and you can't help but wonder, and I specify this at the end of the episode, you know, if they had forsaken wrath or patience with one another, then maybe we would remember them today as friends instead of bitter enemies, you know, 
Yeah. Yeah, I always thought it was pretty funny the the uh the Hatfield patriarch's name, De- Devil Ants. Yeah, Devil Ants Hatfield, yeah. <laughs> and I loved too researching it. I loved the story at the end of his life where he is baptized. So he had yeah. a great ending. He had a great ending to his story, but that the preacher that did the baptizing, he joked that he was the preacher that got to baptize the devil. <laughs> I just thought that was that's so perfect. That's so perfect. Yeah, I I think that was a cool part of the episode because you know it's kind of a heavy subject, and you know we're we're talking about these deadly sins, and and they were deadly, but um, in his case, there was redemption at the end of his life, and he kind of you know he he sought forgiveness for all the wicked things he'd done. Yeah, and I, I think he actually, too, he ended up founding a church after he was baptized. So, I mean, he really, his conversion was really, really impactful on him. It was also a great episode, too, for just for the musical choices, you know. I always love whenever we do episodes that are set in the South or the West because the music is so great. There's so much great music to add on to it. I think that's the kind of the music. It's easy to put the listener in the time period. It's cool when you get a, a, a topic where there's so much good music uh, to choose from. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, and the feud still lives on. I think people are still really fascinated by it. And I think that one or I don't know which episode got the most downloads, but I know that one or at least on Instagram, that one had the largest response. And, you know, people are still really interested in it. And there's lots of documentaries about it. There was that really great miniseries with Kevin Costner and Bill Paxton. That was really, really good. I don't know if you've seen that or not. Really good, really good introduction to the feud. I haven't seen it, but I'm a big fan of Kevin Costner, so I should watch it. Yeah. And then just, and I mean, and it's easy too. like, you can get caught up researching all the drama, but then when you really, when you really step back and look at it, I mean, it's just really sad. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when, you know, women and and even children were involved in the feud and and suffered because of it. I think of the, the kind of the culmination of it all when they, I think it was the Hatfields that burned down the the McCoys cabin and and a, a couple of family members were killed and it's pretty awful. Yeah, like R- Randall McCoy, he lost five children over the course of yeah. decades to the feud, you know. I mean, imagine being a father in his situation. You know, yeah, and, and, and all because land, well, you know, I mean both of them, you know, there were casualties on both sides, you know. So it was I think just I, I think that's another reason why people are drawn to the feud. Is because they put themselves in the situations of the patriarchs and you wonder after the feud was over how the heck did they ever have a normal life yeah yeah it, it must have been almost like a war i mean almost almost like you have to you know have have armed guards around the house at all times because you never know when someone's gonna plan a, a an attack of retribution you know to get back at the other side and it just must have been an awful way to live Oh yeah, for sure. And I think it's no it's no coincidence that it that this feud took place after the Civil War, you know, I mean, arguably sure. the most divisive event in American history, arguably, you know. And so the fact that this feud happened kind of right or it, it sort of began right after the Civil War ended, you know, and there was still a lot of anger and bitterness on both sides and and I mean both of the both of the families were pro-Confederate, which is one thing that they had in common. So but still, there's just kind of that leftover anger and bitterness about the war. Yeah. And you just, you can, I, I just, I would not be surprised at all if that, if that animosity fed into the feud somehow. Yeah. Well, it, and it got kicked off 
because one of the was it the Hatfields was loyal to the Union. Yeah, so it was, it, it was one of the, it was actually it was one of the McCoys. McCoys there we go. So yep. he was. I I don't remember the. That's another thing too. It's hard to figure out who's related to who in what way because all <laughs> the families are so massive. But yeah, he was a McCoy and he was a Union fighter and he was sent home. He was sent home after his leg was broken and Devil Lance's uncle Jim Vance, who was just a horrible human being, he is the one who's often blamed for killing him and and that event. Ironically, a lot of people don't really associate that event with the feud. Some people view it as just an isolated incident because there wasn't any real violence or anything until later on, like 13 or 14 years later. So mm-hmm. a lot of people don't really see that as the beginning of the feud. But I, th- I think it's a reasonable place to start, you know, because, you know, each each family is going to remember this incident, you know. And that's another thing, too, like in the whole just looking at looking at this incident, that so much of the violence and and wrath came about for such petty reasons, you know? So yeah, the, the hog. Yeah. You just can't help but want, I mean, I can understand that, you know, living, living in that area, you know, where stealing livestock is, is like a death sentence, you know, because that's all they have. But so I understand that, but that's so much of the feud came about from just really stupid, innocuous stuff. And so you just can't help but wonder what was going on in the minds of these people that led them to do this to one another, you know? And I think that's maybe the reason ultimately why we're drawn to the feud is we just can't help but wonder what was going on in their minds and their hearts to make them do these horrible things. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm originally from Northern Ireland. I think I can relate a little bit to where, you know, Northern Ireland, it's a Protestant and Catholic thing. And you kind of grow up in that environment to a point where as a kid you don't really understand why you're supposed to dislike these people the, the other side you just know that you do and that's just how it is and I, I i wonder if that was kind of the same thing where you know these generations are coming up after the feud had began and and it was just oh well, we hate the we hate the hatfields or we hate the mccoys and that's just how it is yeah, that's a really good point where they, they hate one another. They don't know why they're supposed to hate one another, but they just know that they're supposed to hate. Yeah. And there's a whole lot of that going on in our culture today. Yes. Which indeed. gives it that much more which gives it that much more resonance. I think that's another reason why it endures is because so much of it can be put on today's culture. It's springtime in ancient Israel. The Israelite army is away at war, a frequent occurrence these days, but their leader isn't with them. Instead, the king has deputized his trusted commander, Joab. He has decided to stay put in Jerusalem, and though his army is away fighting for his kingdom, he fills his day enjoying the luxuries of his palace. After a pleasant nap in the mid-afternoon heat, He rises to take a walk along the palace rooftop. As he walks along, taking in his kingdom's capital, he peers down on the many houses below. The shadows grow long as the sun drops lower in the sky and the light paints a magnificent panorama of the thriving city. Just then, something catches his eye. It's a beautiful woman, bathing in the shade of a great olive tree. But instead of checking his gaze, he pauses and lingers on the sight of the woman's body, allowing this temptation to take full hold of his mind. 
So episode four was the lust of King David. And I must say that was a, that was probably a pretty easy one to choose, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, it was the easiest choice of my three, uh, for sure. I think But for our listeners, for our listeners, why don't you explain what led you to choose King David of all people for this particular sin? Right. I think the you know, speaking as a man, I, I can I can see how that temptation would have caught his gaze and and you know he's he's on the roof he's he's bored he's he's kind of not where he should be he's uh he's idling and and just kind of there existing and then there's this beautiful woman bathing in front of him and i think from i think it's a relatable a, a relatable moment for most men i think it's one of the most famous episodes in biblical history of of just the, one of these leaders these biblical figures of their fall and, and and there was lead up to it you know it wasn't just that moment he he should have been in battle with his man he shouldn't even have been there but he wasn't and he, he kind of shirked his duty in that way and it led to this sin yeah it's almost like uh the sin of sloth plays in there yeah uh, again there's there's parallels between the the various uh deadly sins for sure yeah, absolutely. Well, and I'm really glad that you brought that brought that point up because I I think like instantly listening to the episode, I just knew right away, you know, I just could instantly recall, you know, times in my life where I've been particularly tempted and it's almost always in the middle of a time where I'm not really doing much of anything or yeah. I don't I don't have any kind of mission. I don't have any kind of goal. I'm not busy. I'm just kind of lazing around and it's I find for myself at least in those particular moments, that's when lust can really come in there and and tempt you is when you're just not doing anything productive. Right. And I think the the text in in First Samuel is it makes a point that David was just idling, not not where he should be. And it makes the point because it's a warning. It's not just, oh, this this king, you know, he saw a beautiful woman and that's what happened. It could read that way, but it makes a point to say, no, no, he was he was sitting in idol and this happened as a result of that. Yeah, yeah, that's totally true. Well, and that and that's another thing, too, about the wisdom of the Bible, especially in regards to lust, whether you believe in God or not, whether you believe in the Bible or not, the things that it says about lust are absolutely 100 percent true. Oh, yeah. For every man, you know, whether you believe in the Bible or not, what it says about lust, that is that applies to every man. Yeah. And and at the end of the episode, you know, after everything has happened and I kind of went into his son and and then the we ended it with uh, we, we ended it with that proverb from Solomon of, you know, can you scoop fire into your lap without your clothing catching on fire? And it's a symbolism for lust. You know, can you allow yourself to get so close to the action and not, you know, come away unscathed? Well, no, you can't. How close to the line do you want to get before you're so close that you slip off? And as far as lust goes, I think you need to, you need to think of it as a, like a demilitarized zone before the actual line. You know, you, you need to give yourself a lot of margin there because it is so difficult once you get all the way up to the line to remain pure in that area and yeah again david is a, a good example of that he allowed himself to get all the way up to the line and and he fell 
Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, and yeah, just talking about that line, I just wonder too, like every time I read that story of David and Bathsheba, I, I think to myself, you know, here's David, he wrote the book of Psalms for crying out loud, you know, yeah. some of the most beautiful expressions of worship ever written. And yet, and it sort of makes me wonder, you know, where, you know, where he writes these Psalms about just how the beauty of what God made prompts him to worship. You know, there's a lot of Psalms like that. And you can't help but wonder if he was in that moment and he saw Bathsheba on the roof and he had used that to honor God and glorify God. And where if he had said, thank you, God, thank you so much for creating her beauty. And then he just moved on with his life, you know? Right. You because she wasn't his, she wasn't his to gaze at. And you can't, yeah, you just can't help but wonder what, you know, what that would have been like if he had just used that, used this beautiful woman that God created and just used that as a way to worship God, you know, just saying, thank you so much, Father, for what you created, you know? Yeah, and uh, I think the other favorite parts of the episode, I think, bar none, was the battle with Goliath. That had to be in there, and I had a lot of fun with the, the sound effects on that one. Yeah, you were, yeah, that that was probably the most bloodthirsty and savage I've ever seen an episode from you. Well, yeah, I mean, in reading the text, you you think, oh yeah, he he had a sling and hit him with his stone in the forehead, and you know he just fell down and then he went and chopped his head off. You could read it like that, but I mean, think about this much much smaller man. And this nine foot giant must have been a, a lot of effort to get that head severed. <laughs> man, you savage you, man. You're just you, like, you you're, just got to think about that, you know? Yeah. So, it, I know, yeah. You, you know, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about like what would have happened if, you know, David had worshiped God and you're just thinking, <laughs> man, what would it have been like if he, if he was trying to sever this guy's head? Like, man, our, our minds are not thinking clearly just, here. Yeah. I think it would have taken a while. That's, that's my only point here. Right. And I, I even mentioned that too. I said, why not just do a quick, you know, and then it's done. But you're like, no, I, I just think it, I think it would have taken longer. We need a few more, <laughs> few more wax. And, and isn't there a, isn't there a sound effect too, where like he lifts the head and there's blood dripping down? Like it's just, there, there is some, down. some blood like, dripping. Yeah. Holy cow, man. Like this yeah, is like brave, brave brutal, territory. Battle was brutal back then. Well, you definitely did it justice. I must say, but yeah, I was shocked. <laughs> I just, I didn't know you had it in you. And it's like the the wrath of Jamie Adams. There you go. The Duke and his servants walked confidently toward the room in his castle where his brother dwelt. A simple-minded fellow would have said that things between them had not gone well in the past. The Duke pondered the phrase he had read somewhere about brothers taking up arms against brothers and chuckled under his breath. Sometimes simple phrases are true, he thought. But the time for fighting was over. He had told his brother he could be restored to a place of power if he were to complete a simple task. As the servants followed behind him carrying trays of the best food in all of England, he laughed aloud. He knew his brother. He knew him all too well. So episode five was the gluttony of Reginald III, the Duke of Gelders. Right. Interesting episode. Um, I like how you you took not a lot of historical information, but still made a very enjoyable listen to it. And I, I kind of like how you 
also went into the relationship he had with his brother. Yeah, well, and like I said, I mean, researching this one was pretty tough because there, I, I personally did not find a lot of information about about him and what what that relationship was like, and it, it just it seems like one of those historical events that just didn't really get a lot of notice. You know, it was just one one event in the history of this country or this dynasty or however you want to phrase it. But um, and I I had heard that story, and I'm I'm pretty sure that I had heard that story in high school because I've known about that story for a long time as as just being used as an example of someone who was a victim of their appetite and i so i knew right away this was probably the in terms of who to do for an episode this was the easiest one because i knew right away i was going to do this guy for for gluttony but um but at the same time i had no clue really about who he was (laughs) so (laughs) given that there was a lot of scant historical information you know you can kind of you kind of have to use your creative powers and fill in the gaps there but you know the fact that his brother ra- waged war against him for the title of Duke, you could, you you know, a brother doesn't do that if they're, <laughs> if you know, if they're getting along. So clearly, right. there was a lot of tension there, and I I imagine, I sort of that's kind of why I started the episode when they were young because I sort of imagine that animosity being there for a long time between them. Yeah, it was a cool way to start it. I I didn't expect that when I I listened to it the first time. That was a cool way to start it. <laughs> yeah, what a what a story about a guy just so large he couldn't fit through the door. <laughs> it seems laughable, but I mean it. Yeah, I mean it really happened. Yeah, yeah, totally. And you just can't help but wonder. And that's another thing too. History is silent on what he was thinking, but you can pretty. I feel like you can guess pretty clearly. You know what was going through his mind as he's trapped in this room and he's. The only thing that he's given is his his vices, you know, and his vice was food, you know. So, you know, for other people, it's different, you know, like 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 imagine if you're locked in a brothel or something and you're just given prostitutes all day, you know. So, I mean, it's, it's that similar thing, you know, like like food, like just if you're constantly assaulted practically with your vice that you just can't say no to or you can't bring yourself to say no to, you know. What, what kind of effect does that have on you as a person and your mind and your heart and your soul, you know? And I imagine it was pretty ugly. Yeah, that's a good point. In the in the book that we brought up at the beginning of the episode, The Dangerous Virtues, they go into that where gluttony, it really is, you can think of it as the lust for food and drink. Lust, we often think of, obviously, the main lust is sexual desire, but... Um, you can also be lustful for other things. And I think gluttony is definitely the lust for food and drink and the overconsumption of it. Right. Exactly. Well, and that's the thing too, about food and drink, you know, obviously we, we need that to survive and we can enjoy it, but when you make it a God, you know, because that's another thing too, is that it's idolatry, you know, ultimately, ultimately that's what it is. You know, someone who's gluttonous is someone who is just worshiping this idol of, of food and drink, you know, and I think that's another thing too, that kind of surprised me as I was researching it about how, like how gluttony doesn't just affect the person, but others around him. Cause when you think of gluttony, you don't really think of it as affecting other people. You think of it as just affecting the person who's doing all the consuming, but, but then you think to yourself, this guy is consuming all of this stuff that other people could have taken advantage of. You right. know? So looking at it from that perspective, just it really puts it into stark perspective, you know, like and that's why I included all that stuff about how the people in the 
in the kingdom he was looking over were starving while he's just gorging himself, you know? So, and I, and historically I have no idea if that's true or not, but it rings true. Right. The, the gluttonous person doesn't think of the, of the needs of others. He only thinks of his own desire. And again, you can link that back to lust, you know, in, in his dealing with Bathsheba, I don't think David was was thinking of anything other than his own desire. You know, look what it got him, and look what it got Uriah specifically. But yeah, yeah, it's a that's a good example. That's a really good point, though, about how it's another example of the sins kind of overlapping and feeding into each other. You know, that that looking at it with a lustful perspective, it it makes perfect sense when you think about it. Just this continuous appetite for more. You know, and I I can't remember who phrased it to me one time, but someone said, you know. You can define lust as anything that makes you go, I have to have this. Like, I have to have it at all costs. You know, I have to sell my soul, but I have to have it, you know. In terms of the jokes I put in the episode, you know, because I often do that whenever I do the first draft of an episode, I put jokes in there. <laughs> this one, the jokes for this one were pretty darn fun. They were they were off the chain. I'll give to the you point that. where I was to, to the point where I was laughing as I was putting it together, and I just thought, man, I wish I could be a fly on that wall when Jamie watches this. <laughs> they were pretty good, and, and I'm sure uh, sure the listeners can imagine what kind of sound effects you may have added for jokes. Oh yeah, for sure. No, it, it was it was a glo- it was a glorious episode for for that reason alone. The episode was worth doing, so I feel pretty lucky. <laughs> The general looked through his spyglass. The battle had been hard fought. Many young men had died that day, but they had eventually been carried to victory by his leadership, his heroics. It had not been his superior officer who had spurred the men on. That sniveling card had attempted to remove him from his command, but he had showed him who the real leader was. Washington would hear about this. He'd make sure of it this time. He'd finally received the honor and promotion his battlefield actions so rightly deserved, and those of higher rank would no longer look down their noses at him. As he swung his horse around to check his right flank, suddenly his eyes met the barrel of a Hessian musket. The soldier's hands gripped it, quivering. A boy no more than 19. Episode 6 was the envy of benedict arnold so that's another one too where this was i think this was probably your best one in terms of just the overall storytelling because benedict arnold is one of those people that everybody thinks they know about you know because he's synonymous with treachery but i think a lot of people myself included don't really know who he was so in terms of just being educated by an episode this one was a total gold mine for me because i i didn't know anything about him yeah likewise i i knew very little about him before researching him and writing the episode. Um, and I came to find out, you know, I kind of felt bad for the guy. And I didn't expect that when I when I picked him for this this sin. And he hands down that envy was what destroyed him, but I I just felt bad for the guy because he was so mistreated. And you know, he was truly an American hero. He was a great leader on the battlefield. He he led his man really well. He he sacrificed. He was wounded twice in battle uh, for the cause, and you know, fighting the British. And then he just wasn't ever recognized for it. 
but also I think his he did I think struggle with pride as well and to link the the sins again he had this pride that I'm better than everyone else and I should be you know there's this guy he he struggled with quite a few people but kind of his nemesis was Horatio Gates the the general in the Continental Army and he he wanted to be a general like Gates was to have that prestige and honor that he thought he deserved and when he didn't get it he just descended into this kind of madness and and thought you know what um and with <laughs> with the influence of his second wife yeah he decided to to full on betray his country yeah he definitely struck me as the sort of person that you, there's no excuse for what he did but you understand why he did it yeah exactly yeah yeah that yeah there definitely is a level of sympathy there but like you said you know like the pride issue you know you can definitely see this i mean clearly the guy was incredibly skilled in military affairs but you know constantly getting slighted and everything like i mean you, you so you can understand him but it doesn't justify what he did obviously but still you you do kind of understand where he's coming from yeah uh, another piece that i didn't know before was that george washington was such a keen he was so keen on him he he really he really liked him you know like personally he he thought he was a great general he wanted to promote him he even advocated for him several times to the continental congress and they for whatever reason whether they they knew something washington didn't or what i kind of allude to is that i think there was a lot of politics going on behind the scenes maybe a lot of a lot of members of the congress were in league with the other generals who were saying no don't don't promote arnold he's he's this or he's that and a lot of people kind of conspired against him to just not reward him for his his work and and what he sacrificed for the American cause. So, um, you know, it's it's kind of sad. But at the end of the day, I think the lesson from his life is there's always going to be times where you're not rewarded for your work. There's always going to be times where others are rewarded when they really shouldn't be, when they're not as deserving as you are. But there's there's better ways to deal with that. And the way he dealt with it was obviously you know, horrible. He he is he he truly is the archetypal traitor in history, you know, especially in America. You you say the name Benedict Arnold and, and everyone thinks traitor when in reality he up until his treachery was a hero. I I didn't put this in the episode, but in the research, I guess that at uh i think it's west point which is actually the the fort that he tried to surrender to the british in his in his treachery um there's these monuments and each have a, have a name i believe there's four and the last one doesn't have a name and it's believed that that is meant as a symbolism for this should have been benedict arnold it's kind of kind of interesting uh there's also I believe it's where he was he was wounded in the battle of in the second battle of Saratoga. That's in the episode. It's kind of the the point where he he leads his man, he, he has this glorious moment, and then he is shot. There's a monument there, and it doesn't have his name on there, I believe, but it, it very much hints to this is what the monument is to. Um he very much was an American hero up until the moment he decided to just go full full on traitor yeah i think one of the details that really jumped out to me 
that I, I just thought to myself, Ooh, that's, that's gotta hurt is, um, it was, I think it was, was it at his funeral? He was not given any military honors. Yeah. And he was, he was, he lived in England in London at his death. And when he died, yeah, there was no, no military honors at all. Obviously they weren't going to give him American military honors, but he was also a, a brigadier general in the British military as well, but didn't receive any. Yeah, I mean, talk about talk about an in, adding insult to injury right there. But you know, but if if nothing else, it's sort of it's it, it is actually kind of just when you think about it. You know, like you know, everyone has to pay for their sins at some yeah. point. Your sin, you can't elude your sins forever. And I guess another thing that struck me about that struck me about it was, um, yeah, and especially when you consider what happened to the guy, uh, the the general Andre. John Andre, who conspired with him, the British, the British major, he was hung for his treachery and well, not his treachery, but his his spy work, if you will. Uh, he was captured by the Americans and he was executed as a spy. And you know, Arnold got away seemingly scot free, but I would say in the end, he did suffer for his his treachery. He, he lived in Canada and England and. He was never trusted by anyone, no matter where he lived. He kind of bounced between Canada and England the rest of his life, but never really found a community that would accept him. And yeah, obviously it was because no one trusted him. But it, it, I mean, it's definitely one of those cases where, yeah, he was he was an American hero and he did all of those good things. And it, it seems sort of odd looking back that we don't remember him for those accomplishments. We remember him as a traitor. So in some ways it's it, it's actually in some weird way it's actually kind of just when you think about it you know we we remember him today as a traitor despite the fact that he was a hero well in some ways that's sort of like history getting the last laugh your what you in terms of what your legacy is going to be you know where yeah, your entire so, leg- your entire legacy for generations can be something good or something bad you know and had he not chosen to be a traitor his legacy would not be what it is today. And I think that's pretty clear. Yeah. And the irony is if he would have died, if that bullet would have, it was the 1700s, he could have easily got gangrene and and died from it, from that bullet wound. It was another one too, where the sound effects, bravo. Yeah. I had a lot of fun with those. Yeah. The music was particularly good in this one. I got to say, so yeah, music and sound effects. You definitely, you definitely gave this one your all. You did a you did a very good job on that front. Yeah, thank you. And and shout out to my wife Stacy and to you sir for the the readings of um Peggy Shippen, very well done by my wife Stacy. And then you read the acoustic on Arnold which was quite theatrical at the end. You did a good job with that. Good way to end the episode. That was fun. Yeah, I, I it's funny too. I I recorded that outside of an airport. <laughs> So I, I mean, I was just, I was waiting, I was waiting for a plane to just come and wreck the recording, but it was actually one of the quietest places I've ever recorded. So I, it was just Must the, have I, been busy that day. I, yeah. Not a lot of flights for sure. Yeah. That was fun. It was, it was fun recording. I don't, I don't often get those really meaty poetic lines, especially actual poetry. So I definitely wanted to give that my all and really show the people what I'm capable of. Yeah. I find that poem. And I never find the the source for it other than the fact that it was in a newspaper back when, you know, when in the revolution, when Arnold had betrayed America 
And what I think it was is someone wrote it in a newspaper and it kind of got distribute distributed amongst the the colonists and Yeah, I was wondering what what that was. I'd never even heard of it before. You know, it just kind of li- lives on as this seething, angerous, hateful poem towards what Arnold did. War. The very word made the steward sick. He had seen plenty of it in his life, but this war was different. It seemed as if the war raging outside the city walls was a spear aimed directly at his heart and soul. It had not just taken the resources of the city he was supposed to lead. It had not just taken from all those towns and cities in the surrounding lands. No, it had taken from him. The sound of the large doors opening and footsteps approaching did nothing to pull him from his despair. Nothing and no one could remove it from him. Not even the war. The war that threatened his city. Okay, so finally, episode 7 of The Seven Deadly Sins. Lord Denethor... For the sin of sloth. Fantastic choice. And I, when you told me you were choosing this one, I could not wait because I knew you were the biggest Tolkien fan I know. And uh, I knew you were going to make it a good one. And I must say, this is, I think, by far your best episode of the lot. Yeah, I was. I was very surprised at your reaction to it. Like, I mean, it was full blown. Like, this is genius level Bravo. master. Like, I just was whoa, sin of pride coming on me. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was very good. I actually listened to it at work, and I had a smile on my face listening to it. It was very good. Sound effects. That well, there you were find. moments too, because there were moments too that I knew that you particularly would like, because I know you you've often raved about how much you love the scene in, in uh, the return of the King with the ride of the Rohirrim. Oh yes. That is without question. One of the most epic things ever put on film. So would, would bring a tear to a man's eye. Oh, for sure. Even, even someone as hard hearted as yourself. That's right. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it was difficult in some way because I didn't want to just evoke the Peter Jackson films, you know, because mm-hmm. anybody could do that, you know? So, so I striking that balance of, you know, trying not to hit the beats of the Peter Jackson trilogy, but also trying to put your own spin on it. So that's what I really tried to go for. Yeah. And, and the, the segment in the middle of it, you know, where Minas Tirith is under attack and it's basically like a minute of sound effects. That was fantastic. Cause you could just, close your eyes and you're like okay i can see this it was so good well done. i had i i had a lot of fun doing that that was probably in terms of just the layering of the sound effects that was one of the most complex sequences i've ever done for virtuous men so but it was it was worth it i i knew that this had to be good it had to be good <laughs> i think you did old tolkien pride well and i'm so glad that i got a chance to do this one because i've been itching to do something tolkien related whether whether tolkien himself the man because you know he himself was a pretty virtuous guy in my opinion yeah and just and the men that he created for middle earth you know like there are so many figures you could do from his lore so getting a chance to do one of them i was really thrilled to do that and 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 initially i thought 
it was this was going to be a hard sin to do because you know sloth or idleness you know who is who is well known for that particular vice you know so i initially thought it was going to be really tough but then i remembered denethor from the trilogy and i just thought that is perfect right there you know yeah i mean he's, he he personifies it you just imagine him sitting in his chair and his city is in grave danger and he's just sitting there just not doing anything fails to act just the personification hard... of idleness right oh for sure and well and he's another one of those characters too where i think he's portrayed a heck of a lot less sympathetically in the films than he is in the in the in the books but um you definitely understand him when you look at the lore from the from the books you, you understand why he is the way he is you know in, in the in the films he comes off as just a madman which not a problem there but in the novels it's a lot more clear you know right, why, well, why he got to that point like and it's not that he was like that from birth. I mean, he gradually descended into that idleness. You know, it's not like he was like that for his entire life. You know, it was just this gradual descent. Yeah, you you have to understand what made the madman. He didn't he didn't just become a madman out of nothing. And I thought it was really interesting too that ultimately it, it sort of begins with grief. Like that's sort of the seed that's planted in his story that begins the downward spiral. I mean, as, as gradual as it is. And I found it looking into it. I just thought to myself, you know, about how potent grief is in somebody's life. I mean, I've never experienced grief at that level before, but I know for people that have, you know, I mean, it, it really does have the power to undo a person. Like, Absolutely. People, like people that just can't move on from whatever tragedy they've experienced. You know, I pray to God that I never have to go through anything like that in my life. But, you know, I mean, we both have probably heard stories of how a tragic event in someone's life just completely ruins them. And it just it makes it that much more sad. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think grief is something that is it affects different people in different ways. And some people find ways or, or have support systems that can deal with it and others don't. And uh, yeah, I know this is a, a fictional character, but I think there's a lot of parallels to real life, obviously. And um, that's definitely one of them that, that I think Tolkien, he had a really difficult life. He, you know, he, he went through world war one and that kind of gave him a lot of his inspiration for the books he would write. But, he went through a lot of hard times and I think he understood grief. I'm sure he lost a lot of friends when he was fighting World War One. And uh yeah, I wonder if he poured some of that into the character of De of Denethor. Oh yeah, I have no doubt. Well, it's funny you say that too. Like I was remembering an, an interview with uh Tolkien's publisher that was given a, a while back. I think it was given around the time that the Peter Jackson films were coming out. And they were talking about he or he was talking about his relationship with his wife and just how wonderful that marriage was. They just had this great romance and they just loved each other intensely. And the way that he put it, because she died before him hmm. and his publisher in the interview said his her death shattered him completely. Like, that's how he phrased it. Yeah. So yeah. Tolkien was no stranger to grief. I also thought it was really good. I'm really I'm really glad that the series ended on a positive note, in my opinion. And we didn't I'd like to say that we planned for that. But ultimately, the way that the episode ends, I looking back, it, it just felt like a really good ending to the series because I wanted to sort of end it as if it was a call to action. 
Because ultimately, mm -hmm. that is what this entire project is about, is a call to action and to be virtuous in the way that we act. So I found it very appropriate that we ended on a, a sin that is about inaction, and yet the, the virtue that heals it is about action, which relates back to the whole reason why we're doing this project in the first place. So right. I thought it was really good that the entire series ended on a note of act be diligent, be virtuous, be everything that these men were not. Yeah. And I like how you summed it up in the conclusion of that episode where you're just calling man to be real man, to not idle and not just allow life to pass them by and to confront their difficulties. And you're right from the beginning, this project has been about it, seasons one through three. We had it in our intro, every intro of they were virtuous not by their words but by their actions and it's an important part of this project and i think it's something that we're definitely going to continue with and even improve upon and, and and highlight even more um in the coming season absolutely because ultimately it is about action and you know talking about it right now you know just r realizing that so many men in our society are struggling with that sense of purposelessness and idleness it just it just it has a way to it you know the fact that this is we're currently in this moment of millions and millions of men who are not acting yeah they're not they're not doing they're they're idling you know they're just kind of wasting their time you know, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they've been led to believe that they don't have any strength to offer. They don't have any virtue to offer. And and ultimately, I ultimately, that's why this project is so meaningful for me, is that it's a chance for us to say, no, you do have virtue. You do have the ability to act and do the right thing. You have the ability to be more than you are, because that's ultimately what we want this project to be. We want to inspire the men listening that you can be more than you are. Because every every man has that in them. It's just a matter of are you going to let it out or are you going to idle? Yeah, this this project is is not just a, a historical lesson. It's not just a theatrical look at history. It's not just entertainment, although it, it is all those things. But it's also how can we learn from these men? How can we take their successes and failures and learn from them and in ways that we can improve our own lives? and challenge our own own selves in, in the ways that we fall short. Specifically in the Seven Deadly Sins series, I think we can all relate to, if not all of them, most of them. And I know I can. And where do we fall short in those areas? And, and how can we improve? How can we learn from the past and uh, make a better future for, for ourselves and for those around us? Right. You know, it's, it's sort of like... Uh what Samwise Gamgee said in the two towers, there's some good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. You, you had that planned, didn't you? I'd like to say that I did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that is the seven deadly sins. We also did a poll to see what the, the Instagram world, what their first, choice was for a favorite episode yeah, um, wasn't there some weird issue with one of them like it didn't list certain episodes or something yeah instagram only allows you to do four choices so we kind of tried to do comment this number for this episode but i think those those last three episodes kind of got shafted so um story of my life 
But anyways, with the votes that we did get, and thanks to everyone who voted, we always are eager to hear your input on the episodes. Uh, the winner was... Lust, episode four. Uh, the episode with King David. One of yours, in other words. Yeah, one of mine. Imagine that. Yeah, Interesting, who'd you, huh? who'd you buy off? <laughs> yeah, well, that, that one got about... 35% of the vote. It was interesting. Most most of those top four, at least, got, um, you know, pr- pretty even votage. But uh, yeah, the polls, I feel, yeah, I feel like the polls are pretty even for the most part, except when they vote for you, in which case I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how to deal with that. Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to do another one and just do the, the last three. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll do that. Maybe we won't. Yeah, but in, I'm, in I'm, my I'm, slothful idleness, I will lust after you enviously. <laughs> with greed in my heart i'd be curious to see from five six and seven which was the favorite but uh yeah from the poll uh episode four the lust of king david was the winner well i concede the race to you yeah well this is this is one to one because you won the mini pods your 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 mini pod was the favorite so which one it was 47 ronan Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the very first one. So funny because I don't I don't I really don't feel like that was my best work. So I feel like Denethor was the apology for all the other crap I put in. <laughs> well, you know, the the listeners, you know, they have a mind of their own. So the people have spoken. That's right. Thanks to everyone who voted and keep those comments and, and likes and and uh voting of the polls coming in. We like to hear your feedback. Absolutely, and... people. Keep them coming. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, or if you're a new listener, uh, we'd really appreciate a review and uh, specifically on Apple podcast, it helps reach more people and subscribe, share the podcast to others. Uh, it really helps us reach more people and, and reach more audience with this content. So if you know anyone who'd enjoy either our regular episodes or specifically this seven deadly sin series, Uh, go ahead and share it. We would greatly appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this Loose Unscripted episode. And we just want to give you a brief glimpse into what we have coming up for Season 4. It's something that we've been planning for a long time, kind of like The Seven Deadly Sins, where we've had it on the radar for a long time, but we haven't really done anything with it until now. So we don't want to reveal too, we don't want to reveal too much about what it actually is. You'll you'll learn about it in time, but um, it's fair to say that it could potentially be our most ambitious season yet. It'll be back to our basics of longer episodes, full length, uh, with interviews with experts. So if you you enjoy that, that'll be back. Uh, but it'll be something that follows a specific. Uh, narrative uh, of a specific group of people and uh, yeah it'll be a series of sorts but a full length episode season alright everybody thanks again for listening and we will see you again next time see you for season 4 cheers cheers